Welcome to the Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley. A familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Forbes Factor. If you're listening to this live, it is now the second week of January 2024. Gosh, my parents passed away about 25 years ago. I can't even imagine what they would be thinking about 2024. If you're listening recorded on all the platforms that we're on from Pandora, Sketcher, Amazon Music, and everything else, we love you. Uh, but I always like to keep up with what is going on, in fact, live. I'm very spontaneous about that, and 2024 is no exception. One of the things that I want all of you to look at and think about is what word are you choosing for the year? I've done that for decades. It's made me wildly successful, and I highly suggest you do it as well. So last year was a big word for me. I chose implementation. I've got a team of 16, uh, created new courses, did a feature film, did two television series, all coming out in April this year. Life is good because of the word implementation. So this year, go Forbes, how do you follow that up? And by the way, you can start anywhere that you want, but I will tell you one word as a driver. If it's the right word, will be very, very helpful. I've had a lot of them over the years, and um, this one is called duplication. I discovered there's only one of me. I probably knew this a long time ago. We all think there could be a twin sister somewhere, but no. And I also, as the kid who always got straight A's in schools, have this fantasy that I can do it all and do it better than everyone else. And that is so freaking wrong. Man, I've spent 2023 interviewing a lot of millionaires, billionaires, executives, successful people. Turns out none of them did it alone. Why is it when you get an Academy Award or an Oscar or one of those Golden Globes, they always thank the entire team? Guess what? And I think I learned that a little, a little, little late in life. So I struggled a long time, but I created an empire anyway. And now I want to duplicate it. And then I have a little, sometimes one is not enough. I know I tell all of you guys to focus, but it's delegation and domination. Watch out, 2024, I've spent a long time getting to this point in my life, in my career, in my business. I had a woman today at the nail salon look at me, and she said, how did you get to be so confident? And I thought, man, it must have been those 62 years before that I wasn't, that I finally spent 40 to 60 hours a week for three years during COVID teaching what I know, digging down and deep into who I am, what I'm doing here, what, and, and, and becoming the role model that I never had. I never met a woman like me, and I've met almost everyone except Oprah. She's probably the one that is most, who is, comes from nothing like I did and rose to a level of success, not quite as big as she is, uh, and that's going to change because it takes one book or one television show. Guys, I've done 195 infomercials, uh, and I just booked a deal to do a whole bunch of things in January. I can't even tell you what it is. So duplication and domination. I'm very curious to hear what your word is. Please reach out to us. You know, we're on the Voice America platform, uh, and I love to communicate across all my social medias. So uh, where in the world is Forbes Riley? I'm sitting in my beautiful home. I'm quite comfortable, and that's not going to be for long. I just booked all of February and most of March to travel and speak, and then I've got a book launching, and that'll be a tour. So maybe one of the last times I see my new chair, Christmas present from hubby. You know, and then the last thing I want to think about is don't let the resolutions go. 
I'm going to be talking about this for a while because statistics show Forbes magazine just did an article said 80% of resolutions that people say they want to do or a goal they want to commit to is gone by February 1. I'm sorry, what's up with that? Let's go back to maybe implementation needs to be your own word or execution or commitment or integrity or all of those things that we so often just throw out with the bathwater. Oh, it didn't work. I'm just going to move on. I tried. Well, if you live in the Forbes Riley world, you know that the word try doesn't exist. Well, Forbes, I tried to do that. No, you didn't. You freaking failed. Own up to it and move on. Oh, really? Yes, we're not in baseball circa 1990 where everybody gets a trophy just for showing up. Sorry. There are winners and losers in life, and you can be that winner. All you need to do is show up, commit, be of your word, and move forward. I will take on a very exciting guest today, a man who has been the Attorney General of Nevada. Has Now, you all know that I wanted to be a lawyer, so this is kind of exciting for me. And I took a left turn, and we'll talk about that in, cl- in, uh, in class. Yes, we'll talk about it in class or on my show. Uh, about how Mr. George over here is uh, kind of extraordinary. And now he's a book author, and now he's doing seminars, and now he wants to step into my world. Well, let's just hear from George and figure out what the heck he's up to. Welcome to the stage. And I need to understand, how do I pronounce your last name? Chanos. See, I wouldn't have thought that. There's no I. I would have said Chanos, and I would have been wrong. So no, we are- no, actually, you probably would have been right. My family just pronounces it Chanos. Well, you know, the great football because- player, quarterback, his name is Joe Thiesman, just so you know. Yeah, and- so our, our name derives from Katapachanos, and you would have said Chanos. Katapachanos, are you Greek? Yes, Greek. Where, what part of Greece does your family come from? Um, Delphi, a small town outside of Delphi, the Oracle of Delphi. I know. I was just near there. I spent a couple of weeks hanging out in Greece. And we went to, what is the island? What did Delphi lives on? What I, is there an island it's on? Or is it? Um, no, it's, it's um, I think it's part of uh, uh, mainland. But uh, the islands you're thinking about, uh, Crete, Corfu, we did Mykonos, all Naxos and Paros and Santorini and Mykonos. Yeah, yeah. But we took a little boat off the coast of Mykonos to something that had an oracle on it. And I was like, oh, just so, I don't know, I love my Greek history. Well, welcome, welcome. Thank you. What is the background? What am I looking at? Is that your art? It's, it's some of it is my art and some of it is art that I've collected um, through my travels. Oh, I love that. What's the most interesting thing about you? Uh, my creativity. Uh, my un known creativity. So I'm not recognized as an artist um, or as a, as a creator um, so much. I'm recognized for my analytical ability and as a lawyer. Isn't that um, funny? You have both sides of your brain operating. You're one of the very unique people. Yeah. So um, I'm not a, an attorney general who became an artist. I'm an artist who became an attorney general. Excuse me? Yeah, I mean, I, I paint, I do sculptural assemblage, I make jewelry, I collect art, I create. Isn't and one of, the strength, one, of, one of the great strengths that I had in practicing law that allowed me to succeed to the level that I did was creativity. Really? In what way? Well, option generation would be uh, a good uh, example. So in negotiating transactions, most people negotiate as positional bargainers, right? They, uh, you start and tell me that you want $2 million, $3 million, $4 million for your home. And, um, I tell you, I want to pay you half that. And then we 
end up trying to meet somewhere in the middle and compromise, that's positional negotiation, right? I might um, explore, uh, first of all, I would find out what your interests are and um, not what your positions are. So you're telling me you want X, that's a position. Why do you want X? So I dig deeper. And then in digging deeper, I'd learn more about you, more about your needs, more about your wants and desires. And then I'd think of ways to satisfy those interests um, and uh, pay less attention to your position and more attention to satisfying your interests. So I might say, for example, you know, um, you're telling me that uh, you love the outdoors. And I might say, you know, I just acquired this amazing piece of property in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, overlooking the lake. It's just phenomenal. You can't get it. Um, It's 10 minutes from the downtown area. This is true, by the way. Um, It's 10 minutes from the downtown area, and you can't find another piece that is an acre of property overlooking the lake uh, 10 minutes from the downtown area. I, 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 you know, must have gotten the last one right? Because there aren't any. And so maybe we could do a trade for that, you know, two or three million dollar house. And you might think that's great. And I would know that I purchased that house for far less than that. So it would be a high value proposition for you and a low cost proposition for me and still be a win-win. I love, love, love that sense of creativity. Very, very smart. I'm an out-of-the-box thinker. I I often say that I see the white space when we create because I'm the pitch queen. People have a product. They want to get out to people, and they somehow can't figure out that gap. That's the gap that I live in, and I've made a fortune doing that. Yeah, so have I. I I can tell you another great example. I I bought a piece of property in in downtown Las Vegas for $2.5 million, and it was three and a half acres. And I wanted to acquire more property in the downtown area because I knew that it was going to expand and develop. So I went to the neighbor across the cul-de-sac and I said, "Uh, you've got three acres. I'd like to buy your property. I just bought the property next door. How much do you want for it? And he said, $10 million. And I said, $10 million. I just bought three and a half acres, more than your property for two and a half million dollars. Why would I pay you $10 million? And he said, you wouldn't. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll sell you my property for $10 million. And he says, no, I'm not interested in paying $10 million. I said, how about this? You name the price. I don't care what the price is. You name the price. You take control of that issue. And I'll decide if I'm a buyer or a seller, right? So you can say $5 million or $100 million. And either I'll buy you at $5 million or I'll sell you mine at $100 million, right? But you control the price. He said, no, I won't do that either because uh, I'm not going to pay you 10 million and I'm not going to sell mine for less than 10 million. So I said, uh, at that point, most people probably would have walked away. So here's where creativity kicks in. So I said, how about this? How about we merge our properties? They're next door to each other. There's a cul-de-sac that divides us. It's one and a half acres. I've got three and a half. You've got three. If we add one and a half acres, we're at eight. The Cosmopolitan in, in, on the Strip was built on eight acres. We'll market that property jointly as a merged property for $20 million. You'll get your 10 and I'll get my 10. He said, I'll do that on one condition. I said, what's the condition? He said, let my son be the broker. I said, done. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Is that happening? 
Four months later, I had, no, this was a while ago. Four months later, I had the property in escrow for $20 million closed on the one-year anniversary for capital gains treatment for $20 million. He got his 10 and I got my 10. Dang. I would know what did you do with your, your, your capital gains on that though? Just out of curiosity. Are you good at that? You what did what I do with it? Well, do you know what to do? You know how to manage all that and figure all that out? Oh yeah. But, uh, um, I had a partner, my cousin put up all the money for the deal. I didn't put up a dime. And, um, so we split 50, 50 and, um, uh, he got a check in the mail for, you know, oh, three, what, three and a half, three and a half million dollars. And, uh, um, or more. And, um, he turned to his secretary and he said, Joan, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to tell you, have you done that a lot? Cause that's a pretty powerful conversation that you just did. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. You know, Forbes, honestly, it, it may sound very strange, but, um, I'm not chasing money. Money chases me. I, I really, I, I honestly, I just, I, I, there are, I'm 65 years old. I had a heart attack in 2012. There are more important things in my life than money. And a part of what's more important is legacy, right? I want to leave a legacy. Um, I have a friend that, um, that's married. And uh, he said, uh, I want 10 beautiful women crying at my funeral. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I, I smiled and, and, and thought, you know, why do you want 10 beautiful women crying at your funeral? But anyway, that's what he wants. I don't want that. I want a thousand millennial samurais whose life I've changed crying at my funeral. That's what I want. And, oh. and, and I'm out, I'm out uh, changing lives today. And, uh, and I think it's the highest and best use of my time. I have enough money. I don't need, to, I don't need more money. So, um, I, 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 I do need purpose and I do need to feel on the day that I'm lying on my deathbed that I lived a well-lived life, that I made a contribution to society and to the planet and that, um, my, my life meant something and, and just going out and chasing more money isn't going to give me that kind of feeling the day that I'm lying on my deathbed. So um, I kind of work from from that backwards. I, um, I I remember an incident where I was at the side of uh, someone in my family, uh, my wife's father, um, who was dying. And uh, I thought, what's he thinking? What's going through his mind? And I thought, well, he's probably replaying his life, you know, in like a movie. And I thought, um, you know, one day I'm going to be there. And I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to be lying on that bed having regrets. So if I spent the next however many years I have left just chasing more money, I would have regrets. And um, so I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not doing that with this one and only life that I have. Well, um, it's funny. We are, we are definitely related from another mother. Uh, I feel the same way. I'm in your class uh, and I don't need to work and I haven't for a very long time. I love to work. In fact, I met a woman today who's a little younger than me and she's like, I'm retired. I'm like, congratulations. I don't know what that means. Uh, because I, my work is my life. My, is my contribution. It's, it's everything that you just said. And when I get interviewed at your event, I will share all of that as eloquently, hopefully as you did, because I feel the same way. Uh, it is time with family and I've managed to change lives because I will tell you true story. Before Facebook came out, I lived a very insulated life. And even though I was on television and everyone knew who I was, I didn't know they knew who I was. 
And I had this fear. I was in my early 30s. Gosh, when I die, my parents are gone or 40s. No one's going to know I'm here. I had no kids at the time and no parents. I thought, shit, what do I do now? And then Facebook happened. And everybody and their mother wished me a happy birthday. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so good. At least those people will know for a moment, for a blip, that something happened. Yeah. Uh, But since then, I have then dedicated, there'll be tens of thousands of beautiful women and men who will say, my life has been better because that woman coached me, touched me, was an example for me. And it's very profound and emotional as I'm speaking about that. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a good feeling. I had a young, I had a young man uh, reach out to me on uh, email, got my email from somewhere and uh, wrote me and said, uh, your book spoke to me like the father I never had. Oh, oh, baby. Yeah. And then I've, uh, wait, 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 wait. what is your, like, that's important to know. We're talking about your mindset book. Yes. It's called, it's called millennial samurai, Mm -hmm. a mindset for the 21st century. You can download the entire 444 page book for free. At millennialsamurai.com. If you only know how to spell millennial, you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Samurai. Now, why did you call it? So I have a love of martial arts. Where did the samurai come from? So it's basically that um, my vision of the future. So first of all, I didn't, I, I had, had uh, prior to my heart attack, I didn't know anything about the future. But in 2012, when I had the heart attack, I um, put my affairs in order. I had a 15-year-old daughter at the time. And um, I began to write a letter to her and the letter became very long. And that letter became my first book um, called Seize Your Destiny, A Roadmap to Success. And after I completed that book, I had essentially downloaded what I had learned during my professional life that I wanted to uh, impart to my to my daughter. And um, once I did that, this was the book that the young man wrote me about and said, uh, your book spoke to me like the father I never had. So Wait, and that book is called, because dude, I'm downloading you. So what's that uh, one called? That was called Seize Your Destiny, Seize Your Destiny, A Roadmap to Success. Okay. And, and that was about, that? what's that? Can we find that? Oh yeah, Seize Your Destiny, A Roadmap to Success. That's on Amazon. Okay. They're both, they're both on Amazon. Um, Millennial Samurai is is my current focus. Um, so I'm giving all I'm giving all the digital copy of the entire book away for free, and it's the book that I think is most important out of all the things I've done. Forbes and I've done quite a few things. Um, I've managed the state's Department of Justice, the our, the largest law firm. I've represented the governor and three million Nevadans. Um, I've argued before the United States Supreme Court. I won nine zero. I've made millions in three areas, in business, in law, and in franchising. And um, all the things I've done, uh, Forbes, the most important is Millennial Samurai Mindset for the 21st Century, because it it will change more lives than anything that I have done. Now, well, because what's in it? It's uh, So what happened was, after writing the first book, I decided, I realized that the life that my daughter was going to lead was not the same life that I had led, that she was going to live in the future. She was going to live over the next 30, 40, 50 years. What was that going to look like, right? What was that going to be like for her? And what did she need to know to survive and thrive in the most extraordinary period in human history? What I discovered in my research was the most extraordinary period in human history. So I had never looked at the future. Today, I'm being called a visionary and a futurist because of what I learned about the future. 
And what I learned was absolutely extraordinary. And I've put it in that book, Millennial Samurai, A Mindset for the 21st Century. And I've also put in there what I think people know to be able to lead happy, successful, and meaningful lives over the next 30 to 40 years. And I've broken it down for the uh, short attention span reader. So it's broken down into 182 chapters that are only one to three pages each. Dude, I'm loving you. (laughs) They're very, very short. They're very, very short. And they're everything that you need to know. You, You talked about words, okay? You talked about words. So here are some of the chapters. I'm looking at the chapters now from Open Your Mind to Neuroplasticity. I'm loving this. Yeah, critical thinking, believe in yourself, open your mind, seek the truth, character, courage, commitment, choice, perspective, attitude, gratitude, curiosity, collaboration, creativity, communication. I mean, every one of the, of, of the core values and the core principles that have allowed countless generations to succeed are covered in this book and all of the things that you need to know about the future. So longevity, escape velocity, 3D printing, fab labs, you know, everything that uh, AI, um, asteroid mining, I mean, things that you don't know you know, most people don't know anything about, um, you know, you're going to learn so much. It's like if I dropped you off in the Amazon rainforest and I gave you a duffel bag, you know what would go in that duffel bag, right? Well, this is the duffel bag that I'm leaving to my daughter. It is the most valuable thing that she will inherit from me and she will inherit great wealth. And so, but she could lose it all in a nanosecond if she meets the wrong guy. So this is this is more valuable than the money, more valuable than the homes, more valuable than the land. It will make her smarter. It will make her more resilient. It will make her more anti-fragile. It will make her more empathetic. It will make her a better listener and a better communicator. Um, These things are priceless. And this is what I teach. And this is what I believe is the highest and best use of my time today. This is what I should be doing. I've never applauded a guest before, but I feel like applauding you going, yes, yes. this is great. This, this is what I'm doing. So I just, and, I, and I'm, taking it, I'm taking it further, okay? So kids don't read. They, you, you hand them a 444-page book, and you'll be lucky if they read it. Uh, you may know Daniel Bissonnet. He's a speaker, young, young guy. Daniel woke up in the morning, and his mother told me he, he stayed up and he read the entire book from morning until two o'clock in the morning, the, that the next morning, he would not put the book down. He just kept reading it. There are some people like Daniel, but he's very rare. Most of them, you hand them a book like that, they won't even read it. So what do you do? You meet them where they are, and here's where they are. They're on their phones, right? So I'm creating small, what I call Fabergé eggs. So you could call them uh, diamonds. I'm, I'm creating little three-minute bundles of exquisiteness that, that, that take these lessons and turn them into compelling videos. And then I'm delivering, to, delivering them to people for $9 a month. $9 a month, every day, you're going to get one of these bundles of joy, and you're going to wake up. You're going to wake up thinking, I can't wait to read what I got today, because that's how you're going to start your day. You're going to start your day 
learning about critical thinking. That might go on for 21 days until we develop the habit of critical thinking. Then you're going to turn to gratitude. Then you're going to turn to communication. Then you're going to turn to negotiation. And by the end of the year, you are going to be a different person. This isn't one weekend where, you know, we're partying and we're, you know, celebrating with pyrotechnics and we've got people on stage that are, you know, uh, mesmerizing us with their success. This is real micro learning based on the newest research coming out of Harvard, Carnegie Mellon, Yale and Stanford and my teachings in Millennial Samurai put together in Fabergé eggs and delivered to your phone. That's what Uvolution is all about. And in real life events. I just held an event here in, in Vegas. I had 35 people. I began with a high end event because I want to build a mentor community. I want to bring in the movers and shakers, the billionaires, the millionaires, the Olympic athletes, the gold medalists. I mean, the people who have done extraordinary things in their life, right? People like you. And I want that that group to be my mentor community. So 35 of them got together in Las Vegas this last weekend and they paid $2,500 a piece to get together. And we went to gourmet restaurants and we had stretch escalades and we stayed in a luxury suite and we brought in people that, uh, you know, uh, my first speaker was David Broom. Uh, David is a friend of mine for 40 years. We met in Hawaii when he was on his honeymoon, he, I, when we were both less than 30. And uh, David is now uh, one of the top producers in Hollywood. He produced uh, the Tsunami uh, Relief uh, Program with George Clooney. He produced Jennifer Lopez's documentary. He produced The Day I Met El Chapo. He produced the biggest loser television show, which was which did a billion dollars in merchandising and was NBC's number one show for a decade. Wow. He drove seven hours from Incline Village, drove down just to be with me for one hour to be on an interview uh, with my guests. And then he turned around and he drove back seven hours. Now, this guy's time is very, very valuable, and he doesn't do that lightly but I've known him for 40 years and I called in a favor and I said, David, I want you to be there. It's the inaugural event. It's it's we're launching this. Uh, he just raised $50 million for a blockchain gaming company. He's got the license to Star Trek. He's got the life taking a helicopter. What's with the deal with the seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got in his Subaru. That's David. He got in his Subaru and he drove down and uh, he's just a cool guy. You know, he doesn't have a helicopter. So, uh, so anyway, he, uh, he's got, uh, squid games, the walking dead, um, star Trek, uh, um, fast and furious. He's got all the top licenses for blockchain gaming, just formed a company called orange comet. So we talked about the future. We talked about what he's doing on blockchain. We talked about his past. We talked about, you know, where he came from. This guy was managing a Denny's, you know, he, he crazy. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's an amazing human being. And uh, so how do you go from managing a Denny's to being what I just described? Um, and he, he told us, he spent an hour telling us. And so the people in that room- Well, and in a I synopsis, had, give, me one, give me one sentence, little, little nugget here, a little egg. Of what he did? Yeah. Uh, David, David is uh, a big believer in passion. Um, for him, 
Um, you have to be very passionate about what you want to accomplish and what you want to do because you're going to encounter all of these obstacles and all of these setbacks. And what will keep you moving forward is this burning desire that you have um, that is with you throughout the journey. And you never let go of it. And you keep moving forward uh, relentlessly towards your goal. And um, that's what he did. And, um, you know, he's best friends with Ted Saranos of Netflix. He's got a multi-film deal with Netflix. He's, he's just a, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's an amazing creator. And, uh, you know, he's driven. He's very, very driven. He's got two daughters that are just like him, and they're both very successful. One is working, she uh, has an influencer company with clients like Gwyneth Paltrow, and the other one is working for Sony, and, and he calls her at 11 o'clock at night, and she's still in the office. Wow. I'm so, I just feel like I've just up-leveled my 2024. Yeah. So, um, How is your um, daughter doing, by the way? How old is she now? My daughter's 26. My daughter is, um, my daughter is part of this new generation that, that doesn't care about money. And, and so, you know, she cares about animals. She's the type of person that, you know, uh, pulls her car to the side of the road to, you know, help a, an injured bird. You know, that's my daughter. Um, she, uh, she's very bright. She, um, is, is very compassionate and, and a loving person, you know? Um, and I never tried to make my daughter into what I am, you know, she's not me. Um, she's different. But she is beautiful and loving, and um, she's a good person. And I told her that uh, whatever you do in life, I don't care what you do, what you choose to do, but whatever you do in life, do it well or don't do it at all. Just do it well, right? And, um, and she does that. So she likes consumer-facing retail. She likes you know, dealing with customers, and she's good at it. She's empathetic. She's communicative she's uh caring and so she runs an, a ups store she manages a ups store and she deals with the customers every day who come in complaining about their product not getting there their shipment not getting there their mailbox having a problem things that i could That's never like, do you're such a great dad i couldn't do it i couldn't do what she does you know um i would tell him you know get the hell out of here <laughs> you know? But, all right, wait, uh, all right. We're going to run out of time because you and I could chit chat. We'll do this when I'm back in Vegas. I'll be there for my birthday in April. Um, big, you know, I was in college and I went there to be a lawyer. I, I wanted to affect change. That was one of the things that was important to me. Two things happened. One, I had a, a blind acting professor tell me that I was wildly talented in a way that no one ever did. He saw through all the facade and bullshit and said, that's your essence. And I literally called my folks and said, you know that poli sci degree that I've got, which I did, by the way, two degrees in three years. Talk about passionate and obsessive. Uh, I said, I'm going to be an actress. This is what I've always wanted to do. I'm going to give it a shot. They said, we love you. We can't help you. I said, that's not a big deal. I'll be fine. And I was. Uh, and I started my very first film that I auditioned for. Uh, but along the way, you know, deciding to run a business and be successful because I had two beautiful kids and needed to raise them, stepped aside from that passion, that art, that artistry of me. And raised and created companies, but again, very artistically. I don't know if you've seen my my fitness product. I'm gonna have to make sure that you get one. I have I, seen it. I have seen it. It's wonderful. But you haven't touched it yet. No, no. I had a woman today. This woman I met, she was like, "Oh my God, Forbes, I've been a huge fan of yours, but I gotta tell you, that's spin gym. That doesn't work, right?" I'm like, I grabbed her hand and said, "You're coming to the parking lot with me." I won in my car, 
And there she is going, oh my God, this is insane. I'm like, why would I put my name on something that was not absolutely ridiculous? So you got to touch it. I will make sure. I love it. I love it. I can't wait. Yeah, no, I love that. And you can take it with you when you travel. You know, Uh, about what you just said, you know, this person who told you what they saw in you, you know, Les Brown uh, talks about Mr. Washington, right? Remember he talks about Mr. Washington. I I can recite Les's speech to you word for word. Exactly. Moments change lives. Moments change lives. And it's getting people like you in front of young people. Yes. Giving them that moment. Or it's, it's that young person reading a book and finding a, a sentence or a paragraph or a chapter that speaks to them. Maybe it's not the whole book. Maybe it's just a sentence that ignites them, that sends them in a new direction, right? My heart attack changed my life completely. I was not- Your heart, your heart attack is changing my life. <laughs> I was never doing any of this. I was never doing any of this, never thought of doing any of this. And, and the heart attack gave me new purpose. So- I'm also a big believer in, in, chain, in, in taking adversity and turning it into opportunity. Anytime something bad happens to me, I find a way to use it to my advantage. I don't just let things happen to me that harm me. I take them and I turn them around. If you throw a lemon at me, I'm going to make you a lemon souffle. I, I am going to turn it around. I'm going to find, you know, uh, you, you send me into a room full of shit. I'm going to find a pony in there. Okay. I'm going to find who created that shit. I'm telling you, um, uh, I, you know, well, we I'm get- listening to you. I'm thinking if I, if I had gray hair and a hairy chest, I would be you. <laughs> so I'm serious going, I, I, everything you're saying, I cannot, it's what I articulate. It's how I live. It's fascinating to me though. That it took a heart attack to uncover that part of you. Uh, and for me, it took I raised a little bonus son who was murdered. Oh and God. sometimes it does take, and that I, I have that magnet on my refrigerator of life that says life happens for you, not to you. Yeah. So I love the pony though. Oh my God, that's a good one. I've never heard anyone say that. Yeah. How do you know I have a hairy chest? <laughs> Dude, I can just tell. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else, but that was the cleanest yeah. thing I could think of. You're right, by the way. <laughs> I know, I can see it. All right, so... Um, but now you get to this point in your career. I just don't want to lose this. Were you the attorney general of Nevada? What is that? What's that position like? It's it's amazing. It's um, you you know, what's 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 most amazing about it is that you are representing three million people. You know, you, the, the lives of three million people are dependent upon your decisions and, wow. and the work that you do. And so that's what's most amazing about it. I loved the job. I loved the law. I loved making the decisions. I hated politics. I hated politics. I didn't want lobbyists calling me every day. When they were trying to meet with me, I told my secretary, I don't want to meet with them. I mean, I I just did not like that. I I, I was very successful at raising money. Forbes, I'm going to tell you very quickly a story that you're never going to hear again. You're never going to hear before and you're never going to hear again. I was the incumbent. I was appointed by the governor to fill a two-year vacancy. I was expected to run for an additional four-year term. I had a successful career in law for 30 years before that. When I got into politics, I realized how toxic it was. 
I had raised $1.2 million. This is a matter of public record. I had raised $1.2 million in the first three months. My opponent had raised $165,000. She's now a United States senator. I was a Republican. She was a Democrat. Um, she was running against me. I decided I didn't want the job. I gave all the money back to my contributors, and I raised money for my Democratic opponent. She's now a United States senator. I decided I didn't need to be in politics to improve people's lives. I could do it in other ways. I had options. I had just done this real estate deal. I had made a lot of money. I, I had options. I didn't need the job. And the job was toxic. And it was, and it was, it was harming me. I didn't like it. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a well-lived life. Being inside politics, I was a, I was a moderate. I was what they call a rhino, a Republican in name only. So I, I believed in, I was an Abraham Lincoln Republican. And there are no Abraham Lincoln Republicans today. And so I didn't really fit in as a Republican. I wanted to work with Democrats, but Democrats didn't want to work with me because I was a Republican. And I thought, I don't need this. You I don't sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I just decided I didn't need it. So I thought I have three options. I can play ball, be a prostitute, and go on to become governor or U.S. senator. Or I can tell them to all go screw themselves, and I can be Don Quixote, jousting windmills without support from colleagues who were not of the same mindset. Or I could be a former attorney general. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take option three. And I'm wait, going wait, let to. Let me ask you a question, though, is we're facing another election this year and the country seems to be rather screwed up and you do want to leave a legacy for your kids or have a country. Yeah. That statement that you just said about Republicans not fitting in and then Democrats not liking you because you're Republican. What do we do with this nonsense? Yeah, so it, it's a great question. I believe that the division that is in this country today is by far the greatest existential threat facing humanity. It's not global warming. It's not anything else. It's the division. You know, Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote Sapiens and, and uh, Homo Deus and Beyond uh, and 21 Things You Should Know About the 21st Century, he's a thought leader, he's a philosopher, he's an author, he's a historian, brilliant man. He talks about the way that humans are separated from all other species is our ability to collaborate in large groups. And we didn't start off that way. When we were in caves, we could only collaborate to about 100 human beings. We invented social fictions, and those social fictions allowed us to collaborate in larger groups, city-states, religions, countries, um, fraternities, uh, corporations. These are fictions that we create that allow us to identify with one another, trust one another, and work with one another. Uh, you talked about teams early on when you opened this up. You talked about teams. You know, in the 1920s, the average scientific paper had one author. By the 1950s, it had eight authors. Today, it has 35 authors. When the Wright brothers first created their plane, they had how many people working on the engine? Maybe a half dozen. Today, it takes 6,000 people to build a Boeing aircraft engine, just the engine. Wow. There was a recent paper on AI with 5,000 authors. The great work of today and tomorrow is done in teams, but collaboration is key to teams and division is the antithesis of all of this. It is harming all of this. So when we tear at our social fabric, 
When we take names off schools, when we tear down statutes, when we kneel for the national anthem, when we do things that tear at our social fabric, we are creating and fostering division. And this is incredibly unhealthy for the country and for the world. We need to bring the world together. And so how do we do that? And I talk about this. I spoke at Google on, on November 1st about this issue and about what's going on in the world. And, and you know, I, I deliver a presentation called An Unprecedented Convergence of Promise and Peril. And I offer solutions. First, I give a helicopter perspective of what's happening in the world. And then I tell people what I think is the path forward. And I talk about adaptation. And I talk about anti-fragility. And I talk about collaboration. And I talk about the human brain and understanding how the brain works and, and, and why we see the world the way we do. And why alternative perspectives are not threats, they are assets. Alternative perspectives are assets, right? The world is a mosaic, the truth is a mosaic. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. I'm one little piece of that puzzle. Forbes, you are one little piece of that puzzle. We all have different perspectives. None of those perspectives have any privileged legit legitimacy. My views are no more privileged than yours, right? But together, when we put them together, we see the truth. We see the big picture. And so this is what I teach, to try to bring people together, to try to recognize them, how their brains work. They're, our brains are not objective seekers of truth only. They are also advocates for that which we already believe. And much of what we already believe, if you're a Hamas terrorist and your brain is an advocate for what you already believe, well, you know, you're taking bad action, right? Because your brain is filled with bad ideas and bad thoughts and false information and misconceptions, right? You can't trust, your brain is a double-edged sword. Your brain receives 11 million bits of information every second of the day, yet it can only consciously process 15 to 50 bits of information per day, which per second, which means that 99% of the information coming into your brain is coming in outside your conscious awareness which means that you can't possibly have interrogated it, which means you don't know if it's true, right? So when you understand these limitations, maybe you step back and you say, you know what? Just because I think something is a certain way doesn't mean it is a certain way, right? So these are the things that I teach. And, and it also makes you value alternative people's perspectives. If I know what's going on, Forbes, I don't need to hear from anybody else. I'm on the right path. It's when I'm wrong. It's when I'm going down the wrong path that I so desperately need a course correction. And where am I going to get that from? I'm going to get it from the guy who doesn't think like I do, right? So if I'm not listening to him, if I don't have an open mind, I'm never going to get that course correction. Wow. Wow. I'm very excited for you. This is a great path for you to be on. You and I you know, from understanding NLP and how the brown work, brain works and all the research that I've done, it's been fascinating spending this time with you. What's the one or two takeaways that you want my audience to, to know or feel or think? I want them to know about the new community that I'm building. It's called Uvolution. So evolution with a U. And it's uvolution.io. And I will meet you where I find you. If you are poor, I will serve you as being poor. And if you are wealthy and you want to hang with other wealthy people and you want to network with billionaires because that's what you want and that's what you can afford, 
then I will have programs. We'll go to Bali. Might be $10,000. We'll spend a weekend, a week in Bali and we'll hang out. I'm ready. Let's do that. When are yeah. we going? We'll hang out with, with the people that you want to hang out with. You know, if you want to mentor young people, I will have young people in my community who are thirsty horses, who are respectful, who have gratitude for you and for what you can give them, who have open minds and will listen to what you have to say rather than try to talk back to you and tell you what they know, right? Unless you want to hear it. Um, I, because I will teach them to behave that way with gratitude. Um, and, and so this is, this is what I'm doing. And I believe that this is my calling and my highest, best use of my time. And I love it. And I wake up every day passionate about it. Like David Broom, I can't wait to build it. And, um, so I'm planning my next event. It's going to be at the end of April. And I've already got some amazing people. In I Vegas? Having, in Vegas, end of April. So I'm, you know what? I'm just saying, let's see, Vegas, number one, April 25th is my birthday. I uh, have a television series. Weekend. I have a television series and a speaking engagement. And, oh, I'm going to be in Vegas. Just so you know, this was so freaking you have to be, You have to be there. You have I know to, I do. You have I'm to be there. there. And you have to be, you know, uh, uh, let me interview you. And, yeah. uh, you know, and. and, I and will, you know what? I'm going to share with you. I will blow your mind because I'm listening to what you're saying to me, but you don't quite know what I know that you know. Uh, you're going to be blown away that you and I are on a similar path at a similar age in life with a, a reason for being that is unlike other people. You know, when you're someone who's grossed two and a half billion dollars and work with some of the best people from Jack, by the way, Jack LaLanne, not a lot of people know him. And we talk about legacy in the, you know, 20 years and under. Well, you do because you grew up with him. Your mother watched him on television. But guess what's happening because of a book I wrote with him and his wife. Uh, not with him. Sorry. He's been, he's been gone tw 10 years. But with his wife and a couple other people, Mark Wahlberg, Vegas guy now, is yeah. playing Jack in a movie starting in April. Oh, that's amazing. So there will be an awareness, a resurgence of – and I stood next to this man for eight years. I've spent time at his home I can't wait for this part of my life to go Forbes of all the things that you have done and you did it in the dark when nobody was, there was no social media. People didn't know what you did and now they do. So I'm about playing a much bigger game this year. Uh, everything from a one woman show to a movie docu-series about what I've done because it's fascinating. And yeah. it's funny because I told my mom who was a bit of a hoarder and an agoraphobic when I left the house, I was 17 when I went to college, I was 20 years old, I came back. And I said, Mom, I love you, but I've got this book called Europe on $20 a day. I don't have a whole lot of money. I'm going to buy a one-way ticket. I'm going to take my dad's camera, my Walkman with two CDs on it. Not two CDs, two CDs, two cassette tapes. And I'm going to see all the sites in the book and come home when I have the cover. I said, why are you doing that? And I said, because I have this vision when I'm in my 80s that I'm going to tell these amazing stories. And I said, Mom, I have nothing to talk about right now. And she said, Be, you know, Godspeed. Oh my God, you have so much to talk about. You, you, your journey uh, is like gold. It's like a gold mine. And, and when I interview, I will be a gold miner. I will be mining that gold for my audience. And that I will be the best birthday present I could have because yeah. I love, I love saying this. I love watching the faces light up, the possibilities. I was lucky enough to be on Clubhouse recently and a man named Patrick Starr. He's got four and a half million followers. He's a trans makeup artist who I'd followed for years. He called me into a private room. Now, I'm a fan of his because he's a celebrity in makeup. 
And I'm like, hi. He's like, Forbes, I have to tell you thank you. I'm like, excuse me? And this goes back to what you were saying at the very beginning. He said, I was a 15-year-old Filipino boy in a Tampa theater sitting in the front row in a pair of high heels. And you gave me permission to believe I was good enough and an ability to pitch what I do. And look how successful you helped me make. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that makes you feel better than when somebody tells you that you changed their lives, right? Well, guess, guess what, my friend? I've got 30 seconds left. Yeah. You, in fact, not only changed my life, but I'm watching the Facebook feed. And your heart, your soul, your energy, I'm very proud of you. And I'm proud to know you. And I'm excited the universe brought us together today. Thank you. Thank you. You've got 15 seconds. Anything you want to say? I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you. Yeah, I'm grateful to, to all that we've both been through to get here because it's important. I don't think everybody at this point in life is doing what we're doing. Yeah, I'm genuinely grateful. So I'm glad we know. You just made me very emotional there. Now I got to give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We are, in fact, out of time, my guys. Biv, give a, a huge, huge hug to my dear guest. Um, you're going to go to Millennial Samurai. I looked at it online. You're going to download for free a gift called Mindset 21st Century Uvolution. You're going to look up George. You're going to find out how to get in touch with him. And as you follow me, I'm going to be there the end of April. We just made a commitment right in front of you. Yeah, I'm so proud you're on. Of you. Right? You're on. You're on. You're you're on. You <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have your staff reach out to me. Uh, get me uh, your you know personal email or or sell and let's connect and uh, we'll schedule this. We'll work out the details, but you're on. I cannot wait, my friend. Happy 2024 in a big way. Let's do this and do it together. Thank you. All right. We got to run. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so very much. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you again soon.